Let's talk about change, because one thing's for sure, your next great and glorious adventure demands it. All you need to do is let go of the past that's creating your future, those ghosts of abuse that limit you. Yes, it might all fall apart before it all falls together, and that's okay. Will you answer the call of radical and orgasmic aliveness? Will you choose you? Welcome to Dr. Lisa Cooney on Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything, your guide for creating a life that's light and right and fun for you. Hello, this is Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything. And this is a pre-recorded show, so if you're wishing to call up and speak to me live, I'm sorry, but I'm in Rome right now, attending the maestro class with Dr. Dane here, bringing more joy and facilitation and learnings to myself and healings to myself and subsequently the world. So you'll have to wait till I get back to the States which will be for the following week's show. And I'm happy to hear from you, so feel free to email at va at drlisacooney.com. If I don't get back to you personally or someone from my team doesn't, just know that we do read all the emails that come through, and I'm so appreciative of everything all of you share. So thank you for that. Today's show is called My Body's Cry for Help. And this is a spontaneous show, but also, um, as I actually reflect back on what we're going to be talking about here, even though I don't know exactly what's going to come out, um, recently when I've been facilitating my Embrace Your Roar classes and the graduate call called Living Your Roar that we just did, a three-day immersion, people started to misunderstand, if you will, Rightfully so, because I would too. The um, radical aliveness part of this pragmatic system that I developed to move people beyond abuse. And it's what I did to move myself beyond abuse. The first part is the four Ds, um, the cage of abuse. The goal, obviously, the target is radical aliveness. Choosing for you, committing to you, collaborating with the universe, conspiring to bless you, and then creating. And then I detail the four E's for your ease, which is the bridge bridge to radical aliveness. But I'm not going to talk specifically about that. You can go back in the past shows, um, archive shows, iTunes podcasts, and listen to that. But specifically, I wanted to share um, a deep, vulnerable process that I'm actually going through in more of recent time, like the now, to really delineate and show that radical aliveness is the joy of the spring in your step and waking up every morning and having everything work to your advantage. But it's also, radical aliveness, is also the deeper space within you that you get really, really honest with when there is a problem, when there is an issue, when something is not in alignment, and you really have to look and have that tenacity of consciousness to not just keep lying to yourself, and this is something that um, I'm going to share with this sh- on the show that I've been going through, and I've invited someone on the show to really bring it out to me and from me even more than I can bring it myself. And so fortunately, I have my co-facilitator here today, my co-host, Amy Hirsch, with me, and she's going to really be asking a lot of questions of me and bringing forth me 
um, sharing with you my body's cry for help. And hopefully it will be a contribution to you, um, whether you've experienced abuse or not. Um, me to give to you about my body's cry for help. Hi there, Lisa. <laughs> Hello, Amy. <laughs> I'm sitting beside you. <laughs> You're saying hi to everybody else in the world. Yeah. Um, so, wow, I think I feel like a lot of energy about this topic and what your body has been going through lately. And obviously, since we're together a lot, um, this has been coming up and and we've really been just asking a lot of questions about like what is your body going through and um, and how can more ease be created for your body um, so you know one of the topics you and I have been dealing with since we met a year ago is um, the consumption of alcohol and um, I personally don't drink, and it's not anything except for the fact that, like, I don't like the taste. And I do think my body has an allergic reaction to alcohol because one sip for me, and I actually feel my eyes sort of closing, and um, I feel just an immediate reaction. And when I met you, um, you were drinking. And it was, it, you know, it was kind of an issue between us, or I won't say kind of. <laughs> That's like an understatement, isn't it? But um, <laughs> it was actually a, an explosive issue between us. Um, and we had to look at it back when we first got together as something that really wasn't contributing to our relationship. And, um, and at the time, you know, wasn't contributing to me and was causing me a lot of anguish. And... Um, and it's funny, even as I talk about it, it doesn't even feel very loaded for me. It's like we have come so far from when we met a year ago, and you have come so far on this topic since we met a year ago. But do you want to just jump in here and say anything about kind of the beginning of when we started looking at this? Mm-hmm. Sure. So what she means, obviously, about the consumption of alcohol is my consumption of alcohol. <laughs> and... It's, it's really interesting. I have a very sordid history with alcohol, and currently I have a chronic inflammatory condition that um, no matter what I have tried, homeopathically, naturopathically, energetically, physically, and, and food-wise, ingesting in my body, no matter how much movement, or non-movement that I do, my body is continuously in a homeostasis of protection and, if you will, um, uh, frozenness. And a lot of it is due to trauma. But what I realized, um, past trauma, obviously, that, that is coming out, and what I realized is I've spent years and years and years sober with alcohol. I spent years doing AA and following recovery programs. I've done 12-step models. All of it worked for me in the time that it worked for me until it never worked for me. And although I haven't created 
you know, the certain level and depths of messes, you know, externally that I used to when um, I first realized that alcohol could be a disruptive and disruptive and destructive force in my life. It has seemed to have created and come up with a vengeance now from my body from all the years of past alcohol abuse. Now, um, I've talked about this before, but I was um, born and raised in New York, and the Italian doctors that we used to go to actually told my mother to put alcohol in our milk, in our baby food, to allow us to rest and um, sleep. And so I lit literally became physiologically dependent, now I know this after many years of therapy, on alcohol. But what I've realized recently um, is that um, because of this, well, maybe not because of, but since I have this physiological dependence, which I thought I have broken, and in a certain way I did, I still, when alcohol comes in my body, what I have woken up to is my body literally has an allergic response to it. And recently, in the last um, year, or actually the last couple of years, when I have imbibed, I have found such an itchiness or a scratchiness um, that is now coming out all over my body, on my arms, on my um, neck, and on my skin. And it exacerbates um, a problem that has caused part of this chronic inflammatory condition. And I was even at a naturopath the other day, and we were testing foods, I mean testing remedies, and just for fun, she had put the a bottle of alcohol that she had in her um, office for making lotions and potions and such, because some of those things like Bach flower essences are all made with alcohol. Um, not the ones that I use, but um, we put the alcohol on the tray and it showed me, because she was testing my body with this machine, what it did to my body. And it brought to light a whole other version of oh my God, I really can not only not digest alcohol, not only have had a long history of psych psychophysiological dependence on alcohol, but now I'm having an allergic response to alcohol and my body actually doesn't like it. So I've been at war with my body, but my mind has said, you like it. Drink it. It's fun to celebrate with champagne. It's fun to have, you know, wine with dinner. It's fun to have a beer watching football or whatever. But that's why we did this show for, hopefully, you know, to bring some light to other people about, and myself, and for you listeners, about how the cage of abuse can be cunning, baffling, and insidious, like alcohol can be described of in many of the recovery programs and, and whatever. Those three words, baffling, cunning, and insidious. And I have come to the realization that um, my relationship to alcohol has been baffling, cunning, and insidious. And I was at war with my body and wasn't willing to see it and didn't even know how repulsed my body was with alcohol. I just thought it was fun. 
And boy, did I learn something recently, didn't I? So that's what I can say for now. Well, with that said, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about um, my body and alcohol and how to listen and how to respond to the cry when your body calls you for help. So this is Dr. Lisa with Amy Hirsch, and we'll be back after the break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Welcome back to Dr. Lisa Cooney on Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything. Connecting you to a life that's light and right for you and a new reality of ease, joy, and fun as a possibility you can choose for you. If you have questions or want to reach her or her guests, call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141 or email va at drlisacooney.com today. Now, let's return to creating radical aliveness. Hello again, this is Dr. Lisa with Amy Hirsch, and we are talking about when the body cries for help and my body's cry for me to help it by realizing that I have a physiological um, a, um, allergy, tripping up on that, huh? A physiological <laughs> allergy to alcohol. And I'm kind of like tattling on myself here because I really had this belief, and I see it more as a metaphysical belief, that because I cured myself of a life-threatening disease and a life-threatening disorder, um, with energy healing modalities, I expected that I would cure myself of whatever this dis-ease that I had with alcohol. I never prescribed to the belief that I had a disease or alcohol was a disease. I never believed that I couldn't move beyond an alcohol you know, addiction or abuse or an allergy. I always thought something else was possible. And while the information that I have received and some of the things that are going on in my body right now are telling me something different, I still believe that something else is possible. And that something else is what I'm speaking to you here today that is even without um, being able to quote-unquote cure myself of, a, of this alcohol allergy doesn't mean that I'm actually losing anything. What if it means that I'm actually gaining what my body desires from me to be in an easeful relationship with it and what if I actually just listened and finally chose to remove this allergic physiological um, non-digestible substance from my life what would that change what would happen for me then? What would happen for my business, my money flows, my relationships, my body, everything? So that's what we're talking about today. 
So Lisa, I mean, I'll just jump in here and I'm gonna, I was going to say something else, but now that you brought that up, like what, how do you feel when you, um, when you even bring up that possibility? I know like you're, you even said I've been tongue tripping and there's an interesting energy here between us as we film the show and you and I have actually been talking about this with, um, with so much clarity on this trip to Rome and, mm -hmm. and I, I want to say in a way with a certain ease, even though I know that you are, you know, it's not complete ease but like our communication about it ha does have a lot of ease and that's why we chose to do the show about it mm -hmm. but this topic is obviously um huge yeah <laughs> and huge in your life huge generationally mm -hmm. the energy i can feel it right now as we talk about it sort of like hanging out in the room and kind of taunting and and maybe laughing a little bit and i can feel kind of the pull of like um you know, this this kind of tainting, like, I don't know if you can do it. I'm, I'm kind of laughing at you. I don't really think you can do it. And I'm waiting for you to come back to me. So, and everybody just to know that what she said, that that's not her talking. She's talking as in, she's talking as the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so you and I, you know, we do deal with this separate mm -hmm. entity, actually, mm -hmm. <clears throat> of alcohol. And, um so I just want to know, like, what does it bring up for you when you actually even consider giving up this, like, entity, really, that has been, you know, a part of your life? And sometimes we even talk about kind of this demon energy that, that is created when you do choose alcohol and how, you know, where, you know, is Lisa Cooney even there anymore or is it something else? Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that a lot of a lot of times the way that I used alcohol was to cope um, with what was going on in my childhood. And I started drinking very early on. So it's become, it was a compensatory mechanism for survival. And that way of surviving for me with alcohol was actually surviving by not actually living. And so as long as that one drink, you know, or two or ten or a hundred would allow me to be you know, present by not being present. But it was my version of presence and how I dealt with the world. So while it doesn't feel so strong in that, for sure, in that same way that it used to, the way it feels now is more like, um, yeah, we're in Rome. Would I like to have a glass of wine? Would I like to have a beer? Would I like to have a drink? Which is the first thing they ask everybody when we're walking, when you're walking by a restaurant. Absolutely. But my body does not desire that. So what it's like is living in a constant battle, if you will, between choosing radically alive presence, which is that feel good, following my yes when I mean yes, my no when I mean no, um, everything's kind of working in my favor, there's a spring in my step, and this energy of um, you can't, it's impossible, uh, I still have a power over you, you you have to choose something because everybody else is doing it and because that's what you do when you're in Rome and that's what you do when you celebrate and the only way you really celebrate is with a good bottle you know, of champagne or a good bottle of this with a good meal and good friends and that equates to your success your joy, your happiness, 
And so really what I, I see it now is, will I really choose me? Will I really commit to me? Will I really collaborate with the universe? Now that I actually see, know, be, and receive what's actually going on in my body. Because as you know, my body's in pain. As you know, this chronic condition that has gotten better has not gone away. And um, if I don't listen to what my body is telling me, what it's crying out for me to be and do, what would that mean about me? What would that mean about my work? What would that mean, mean about um, people that believe in me? If I'm not even believing in me and listening to me, how can I go around the world teaching people how to move beyond abuse when I'm actually abusing my body? You know, it doesn't mean I'm perfect by any means, but what it does mean is that, you know, I'm willing to look at these hard places that with two and a half decades of abuse that I've survived, having an alcohol physiologic dependency, a body that cannot digest or metabolize alcohol, and having an allergy at this level is not surprising to me. It's more about, it's not surprising to me, it's more about how to create my life anew when something so foundational um, such as depending upon alcohol to survive is no longer there. It's kind of like having my own back in a way that I've never had before, creating my life in a way that I've never created before. And all I know is each 10 seconds I'll keep choosing. But I really don't know if I look 50 years, you know, from now, if um, that will still be the possibility or the choice. All I can say is, right now I am very aware that what's happening for me in my body and in my life is not going the way that I desire it to go if I continue not listening to my body's call for help. And... Um, maybe just getting some perspective on this for a minute. Like, to me, it, and we've talked about this, this is like a life-or-death decision for you. Is that, does that feel... It is about a choosing life or choosing death decision, yes. And I think um, alcohol was the way that I chose death for so many years. And there were so many years also that I chose life by not having it in my life. And then there were the years recently, just in the last four years, where I alternated between life and death. And I had alcohol and I didn't have alcohol. I did have alcohol and I didn't have alcohol. And, and now I'm back to that realization that actually alcohol cannot be a part of my life. And that's a choice. It's not, no one's forcing me into it. It's like, I have to choose what I know to be true, and that is radical aliveness, choosing for me, committing to me, collaborating with me, and creating for me. So what would you say to somebody, even just stepping outside this for a minute, like what would you just say to someone who's like, hey, I just realized I'm in this kind of life or death situation. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody, and I'm struggling, and I'm in pain, and I don't feel at ease right now. Like what would you say? Because you're, you're like, you know... Mm -hmm. uh, this is also sort of an expertise for you. you <laughs> I know? know. So it's just so interesting. Right? I know, right? And that's what also kind of makes it A little you embarrassing, expert. but I know. <laughs> but yet, it's so perfect. It's, it it's, is. You know, it's like, hey, 
I, I want to talk to someone who's been there. Like, I want to mm-hmm. talk to someone who's, like, lived this path, not someone who just, you know, speculates on it. That's a really good question. And and here's what I would tell somebody. Like, if, 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 if I was you and you were me and I was working with you, I would be like this. I'd be really honest and I would say something. And this is what I said to myself, but this is what I would say. I'm literally a harm reductionist. Like... If something's doing you harm, how can you reduce that harm? If you've found out over and over and over again that this one thing has led you down a path that, one, brings up shame, two, causes problem, three, is causes a physiological problem, four, you know, people tell you that, you know, you're not really there, and five, you know that alcohol has been your choice to die to survive a life you didn't want to live instead of living, and and five or six, whatever point I'm on, that alcohol is being used to delineate success and uh, status and, um, you know, the finer things in life can only be received or shown publicly if you have, you know, alcohol or wine with dinner, then I would say to somebody like, well, who are you living for? Are you living for outside of you or are you living for the inside of you and I would also direct them to um, look at you know what makes them happy and what makes um, them feel light and good in their body and and also I would reflect to them that it's sounding like their body is really crying for them to pay attention and What's more important, paying attention externally in the way that you look or internally being more in communion and ease with you? And most people would choose the communion and ease with themselves. Maybe a harder choice for someone that has, you know, a lot of abuse in their, in their past, um, but a choice nonetheless. That's something I would tell them. At least to start there. And we're going to go to break. And when we come back from the break, we will continue with my personal journey of awakening to my body's cry for help. Will you listen to you? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Welcome back to Dr. Lisa Cooney on Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything. Connecting you to a life that's light and right for you and a new reality of ease, joy, and fun as a possibility you can choose for you. If you have questions or want to reach her or her guests, call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141 or email va at drlisacooney.com today. Now, let's return to creating radical aliveness. Okay, my friends, we're back. This is Dr. Lisa and Amy Hirsch, and we are speaking about Body's Cry for Help. So I was noticing on the break here before we came back with this segment that there's a little bit of a dense energy, a heavy energy, and I feel like I'm trying to communicate something. 
you know, on this show that, that I'm not exactly sure that I'm getting to. Um, because it is such a, you know, a dense topic, if you will. And in no way am I trying to, you know, denigrate alcohol. I'm actually sharing more about this, about my body's response and our body's response to communicating things to us about what's working for it, how to nurture it better, how to love it better, how to be kind and more in communion with it, than doing the things that our mind, you know, would like us to do. Because apparently for me, and maybe for some of you, if I did everything my mind desired me to do, I don't know if that would be living radically alive. (laughs) Because... One of those things was alcohol, and even though my body has been trying to tell me for a very long time that um, I have this allergy to it, I've resisted being allergic to anything because, literally, I was so stubborn to believe that um, my my ability to cure myself of a life-threatening disease should translate to my ability to Uh, cure myself of this allergy with alcohol. And I felt like I was losing something in life by not joining the world in being able to imbibe. And realistically, what I'm finding out now, and what I hope to be communicating on this body, on this show, is that um, from two and a half decades of severe abuse, I learned very well, very structured and very armored, about how to use my mind and dissociate from my body. And my body, as I always say on all of these shows, our bodies are our guiding force. They're our communication instructor. They're our um, light in the middle of the darkness. They have all the answers if we listen to those whispers of consciousness. And yet, how could I fully listen to the whispers of the consciousness of my body if I'm numbing it out to the allergic reaction and response through the ingestion of something that it doesn't want. All of that is reflecting to me is another level of the cage of abuse. My own denial, my own um, defending against it. Well, if I can cure myself of a life-threatening disease, well, I can surely cure myself of this allergy. I'm an infinite being, right? I don't have an allergy to anything. Um, The... So did, did that thinking play against you in some way? Like, was that even part of it, of keeping it in your life? Because I think it did play of, against me. Yeah. I used my mind and that, that possibility to defend against my body's knowing and my body's organization that alcohol isn't something that it wants to digest. And I never believed it. I always thought something else was possible. And while, you know, maybe something is possible with it, but I don't think it's possible at this point that my body will ever desire to digest alcohol or process it. I've found out over and over and over again, and most recently, again, with the naturopath and everything, that it just doesn't want to. And this is like the... 10th or 12th time in 46 years that something has reflected to me about that. Like, it's more like, and less about alcohol, it's more like, what am I refusing to listen to? And what could I be or do 
if I actually listened to what I know my body knows is true. Everything and anything that that brings up for all of us, let's destroy and uncreate it. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And all the decisions, judgments, conclusions, and computations that I have made and that you all may have made, whether it be alcohol, whether it be food, whether it be money, whether it be relationship, whatever it is that you may be struggling with to see that if that you refuse to allow yourself to see so that you stay stuck in complete impossibility, let's destroy and uncreate that too. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Because what I've learned is that my refusal to listen and not pay attention to my body's cues, you know, the rash that's been on my neck and my face and my arms that gets better but hasn't gotten really better, which I've never had before, that was my refusal, denial, defending, dissociating, disconnecting. And I kept myself really, really busy with work really, really stressed about some other things and, and to really prove my point, my own cage, that this was not the thing I was going to look at. But then, through our discussions, um, I've spent the majority part of this last year not imbibing. And things got better. Much better. And I started looking better and started looking more like the the radiant self that that I knew myself to be and then when I introduced imbibing back in it changed again so it became very clear that there was something about this substance that changed me and my body and that I had to listen in a different way same thing with foods you know there are some foods that you don't eat because you have an allergy to, or I don't eat because my body doesn't like it. Um, you might find that with relationships. You might find that, you know, with money. What is it for you that your body's been trying to tell you, but you haven't been listening because you don't want to know that it's true? Everything that brings up and lets down, let's destroy and uncreate it. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And, and you know this, Amy. It's like I... Um, didn't want to, um, I, I, I had to like really let go of seeing this as a failure of me and see it as an acknowledgement of me. So everywhere all of us have judged, criticized, condemned from a place of scarcity or loss or lack when in actuality, it's a possibility of a generation and creation of something that will unleash the greater you on the lips of this reality. Can we revoke, rescind, recant, renounce, denounce, destroy, and uncreate that? Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. Yeah, I mean, those last few clearings kind of like cleared me out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how does it get better than that? Even when, even when I'm talking about all this, my own cage, I can still do a clearing. Holy guacamole. So, um, why don't we talk a little bit about, like, when you do start clearing off these um, layers. Like, I know alcohol is just one, one layer or one mm -hmm. thing that you're actually, you know, looking at. And, and sometimes it doesn't get easier, right? Like, I mean... 
I've seen you do amazing things by really facing this alcohol, and it just gets more and more and more clarity for you mm-hmm. with the alcohol, which is, is why we're doing this show, one of the reasons. And I've also seen, like, some other layers peel off that are actually really cha- – like, you know, what is that energy of, like, oh, my God, I'm looking at this alcohol thing. I'm looking at, you know, money or relationship or whatever, and, like, holy shit, there's more. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that? Like, oh, my God, you know, where where's the bottom of this? Or where, like, when, when does this get easier? Because I know that's something that you're really looking at right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's like with anybody, you know, anything that you're really choosing to change has layers upon layers. You know, it's like every lie that you keep to yourself and every denial you have, you have to have 25, um, you know, justifications or denials to fit that in, to keep the lie. So if I had this um, um, struggle, if you will, refusal, for so many decades, you know, how many structures have I built to defend and deny and dissociate and disconnect from this reality? So now that something has pierced through the veil of my cage, clearly, um, now I get to um, look underneath the covers for all those denials, justifications, rationalizations, condemnations, resentments, rejections, and regrets which show up as pains in body, as, you know, tears sometimes, as frustration, as, um, you know, God, I wish things were easier. So when does it end? It ends when it ends. And, and again, like, what would you say to someone who is struggling? Like, hey, I've been looking at this, and I'm being so brave, and I'm being so honest with myself, you know, and, like, it doesn't seem like there's a bottom to this or... Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say to someone who is going through something like what you're going through where it's like, oh, my God, now I've got to look at this one. And now I've got to look at that one. And it's like almost like a barrage, mm-hmm. you know, of truths are coming right. up. Right. And it almost like triggers the response of like, hey, maybe I should just go back and drink, you know, <laughs> because, wow, that would feel so relieving right now. Totally. So it's like I see the circle, the thing that's going on. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually really common. It's like, yeah, you want to you want to it's a habit. And you're trying to break a habit. And a habit that gets created for decades isn't easily broken. You have to actually do concrete action. So the first thing I would tell somebody, which I tell myself, is focus on what is changing. Pick three things every day that you're grateful for and focus on that. Two, the thing I would say is, you know, get support. When you just need to vent about something, vent about it. You know, pick up the phone and call somebody. Get outside and do some exercise. Listen to some music or, you know, a clearing loop or something like that to, to move you through it. And, and surf the wave of, of the emotion that, that comes up. And what I mean by that is, all right, if you're depressed, be depressed. If you're angry, be angry. Give yourself the time, 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. And then when that's done, um, move on to the next thing and do the next right thing. That's right and light for you. But going back to the very thing that you're trying to undo actually covers up what you're trying to uncover. And then you're just literally covering the circuitry back up for what you've just done to undo. So it's that catch-22 
So if there's anything in your life where you feel like it's getting better, but laterally, not completely changing um, dynamically, then that's a habit pattern that you haven't broken. And you haven't broken the weed that holds it all in place. And for me, what I'm learning about the weed that holds it all in place right now for me is that I haven't fully chosen living at the way that I believe I am destined to choose living. I can feel that in my bones. There is something that I'm needing and requiring of me in this reality to do to transition trauma out of this reality. And I have an idea of where it's going and where I'm going and what I need to do to get there. But I don't think I've even committed to the next level yet. And something like a physiological dependence or an allergy on a destructive pattern, for instance, alcohol, can be the ease and the justification and the numbing and the anesthetization to not realize and actualize my own greatness. So, for me, anything that we keep doing that we know that is destructive is really a commitment to actualizing our own greatness, to unleashing our soul prints on the lips of reality, and to saying yes to ourselves as magnificent, magnificent creators. And we're used to creating magnificently with crap. And for me, I've created magnificently with the crap of listening and not listening, but never fully committing to fully listening to this thing, for me, with alcohol. And subsequently, um, even at times with food. But I've gotten so much better, in a way, with food than, than I have with alcohol. So, um, it's about not judging. And even what I just said there was a little bit of a judgment, but it's like, Get out of if this, then that. And allow the choice to live beyond um, what you've currently created. And that takes great courage, great faith, great honesty, and great trust that when you commit to you and when you choose for you, the universe will conspire to bless you. Okay, we've got one more segment. We'll be back after the break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Welcome back to Dr. Lisa Cooney on Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything. Connecting you to a life that's light and right for you and a new reality of ease, joy, and fun as a possibility you can choose for you. If you have questions or want to reach her or her guests, call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141 or email va at drlisacooney.com today. Now, let's return to creating radical aliveness. Okay, my friends, this will be our final segment on this show of my body's cry for help and Amy you had some questions yeah I mean just what we were talking about in the last segment you know 
Just a few points. I mean, one thing you have said is that, you know, it's decades. But is it really decades or is it generational? Is there a generational aspect to some of this, which obviously creates, you know, a a much bigger, broader, kind of sometimes denser energy? And... um, and the and another just point I wanted to make is like in that moment of choice when you know it's that moment it's that moment of choice like you're on an airplane they're handing you a glass of champagne <laughs> um, you know what what has helped you because I know you shared something recently with me that's like asking one question or getting like one sentence you know of help or something that actually has shifted the energy for you and then my third my third point I would just bring up is. Um, you know, as your partner or as your person, like what what is helpful to you in when you have a partner, um, and, and this is really personal mm-hmm. and broader, of like um, how can I be for you that's actually a contribution or actually is supportive in these spaces and places that are so challenging right now? And mm-hmm. I just thought, I don't know. Well, that's the easy. <laughs> I just thought, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're funny. Um, <laughs> well, that's the easiest thing to talk about is, um, and this is what's so beautiful about having something personally that is a cage, my own cage of abuse and alcohol. Alcohol is the the beginning of the cage, but it's really from something so far locked beneath um, the alcohol itself. Um it's just alcohol is the way that I have um, just learned to deal with things from a baby, apparently. But anyway, the I could what uh, I want to get I people. No, I want to finish this point, and then you can because I talk too much the other way. Just remember that point. Okay, you got it. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna write, write it down. Okay. Now I forgot what I was gonna say. No, even though I was in the cage um, and with this alcohol thing back and forth. I actually chose really, really well by choosing you. And it's so interesting in choosing to be with you and moving to Texas and embarking on this relationship and life change. It was personal and it was professional. And I want to let everybody know that even though you have this thing that goes on that's not so good in your life, that causes some issues physically emotionally mentally financially and whatever you can actually still choose well and Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're um less than in any way and that's the first thing and And i love that that you said that yeah really yeah and i love the fact that you have reflected to me many a different time how much you have noticed me change when i do have alcohol and I value you, and that, because I value you, there was something about that that made me look in a very different way and get to this choice, and I appreciate that very much. You didn't do it for me, but you you didn't lie to me either, and I chose that, and you responded, so that and to keep telling the truth you know and people out there that are listening to this show you want to surround yourself with people that tell you the truth I don't want to be around somebody that I spend most of my time with who lies to me you know it's the same thing I, I, I surround myself in my business with people that I tell the truth to 
and that they know exactly what's going on. And we have a trans we and I have and I know what's going on with them. We have a transparent relationship. We've just instituted with the people that I work with, you know, every Saturday we get together for like thirty minutes and I just run clearings and activations and and they tell me if they're having a hard time or, or something like that and and it's not even like a coffee talk or a thing like that. It's more like just contribution, giving and receiving and, and that's what we've created too. Secondly, generationally, yes. I I have a long sordid history, especially the the Irish side of my family. Long sordid history with alcoholism that goes way 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 back. And I truly believe that part of my life this time is to kind of break that. I'm doing my best effort at it um generationally and um on the Italian side is the food part. <laughs> So I, I got kind of, I chose an interesting life this time, even though I love both both countries. But I did find out that a lot of research about Irish people, actually, which I didn't know, is that there is a chemical composition in the genetics of I- Irish people that actually cannot digest, the. they don't have the enzyme to digest alcohol the same way most people do. Now, you don't have to believe that. You can pock and pod that. But I did a fair amount of research on this, and that was interesting to me. It gave me some information. And one of the other things I also adore about you is that you don't have – these are not your issues, this particular thing we're talking about. Body, alcohol, you're just so clear. My body doesn't like it. I don't eat it. Um, uh, I don't like the taste of alcohol. I'm not having it. I actually don't like to be around people with alcohol, and I don't have that in my life. And – I appreciate that commitment because somebody in just ease of commitment that you have because in my life, there hasn't been ease in those particular areas and to be with somebody molecularly and energetically that it's just so easy for, it gives me the habit pattern, if you will, and the energy of just how simple a choice it is. And it's not that I have to call myself an alcoholic or, you know... Not that it's, you know, not a good thing to do, if that's the truth. You know what I mean? Um, Like if I go and when I go to meetings and I sit in the meeting, you know, it's like, hi, my name is Lisa and I'm an alcoholic and I start sharing, you know. But it's not like I have to go out into the world and like wear it on my forehead and be like, this is what I claim myself to be and that's all that I am. It's just like being with you, I just get to be me without a form structure or significance to the... um, the blessings that I be or the difficulties that I have. And you reflect that um, quite beautifully to me. Well, I was going to say, too, when you brought up the um, the value piece, it's like, you know, being in relationship with someone who is dealing with these, you know, can seem very overwhelming and kind of major issues, but I always see beyond them and I always see the value of you. And I'm like, some of this does sort of just feel like the facade of what's really underneath everything and the power that you be. And I've never met anybody who continues to choose in the way you do that does continue to choose for you. Um, No matter what kind of, you know, patterning is going on or no matter what, how destructive it feels sometimes, I've never seen anybody with the commitment to actually changing, um, you know, what is, seems to be real. And that power is what inspires me to also keep choosing. 
mm-hmm. and to and to address some of the patterning that I have, which yeah. is different, but yet, you know. So I just want to say I think that's key is that I actually do value you in such a way that I see beyond it. I think that's one of the ways that we've been able to work with this. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because the way that you see beyond it is you, oh, you're really good at reflecting back to me who I really be and really help me to, you know, see beyond when I get stuck in my own thing. And I think that's what relationships are. They're a choice to surround yourself with people who um, know your value when you don't even know your own value at times. But they don't, you don't make that your value. You step back into your own value of you. But we all require that. Someone to remind us. I think that's why people love this show. It reminds them of who they are too. I need it, they need it, we need it, you need it. We just need it in different ways. Like for me, it's this alcohol and thing with food, right? And some of the physiological issues I have going on with my body. Um, I'm so grateful for my mind and for the, the for even the space when I'm in the cage to still be able to hear the truth because I did make a commitment. You know, when I chose to not die... Even when I went last year to Bali, which was really like, okay, I've had enough. I'm just like done. It's like I quit (laughs) the Beyond Abuse Revolution and all of that stuff. And here I am. And I'm alive and I am kicking and I'm kicking back and I'm still working to kick abuse in the caboose. And I'm doing the best I can at continuing to choose what's greater and what's lighter and what's more... um, Better, if you will, for me and my body and, and my life and my living and everything around me. And that's the choice I think we all have. And my hope and everybody listening to the show is that whatever you're struggling with, I get a lot of emails of people still struggling with depression and um, verbal abuse and neglect and abandonment and self-judgment and hatred and money and all that stuff. And and alcohol and food and abuse and it just goes on and on and on. And we all have our own little cages and the areas that we've done so good in and the areas that still cage us. And all it keeps taking is the willingness to look. And I just wonder, like, what contribution is this show? What contribution are you being to actually share this with your audience? And, like, what is it going to create? And what possibility is there now? Everything that brings up and lets down, let's destroy and uncreate it. Right, wrong, good and bad, pot and pock, all nine shorts, boys and beyonds. And that's why I did the show is to keep, and why we decided to do it, is to keep the possibilities um, afoot and to keep choosing beyond the cage, no matter what it looks like. And I may have certainly survived and have chosen radical alive, radical aliveness in more ways than one, and here's something that I have to keep choosing beyond. And in the choosing of looking, that's still being radically alive. And in the choosing of letting go, that's still being radically alive. Because I feel better, lighter, and truer when I'm real, and I'm authentic, and I'm genuine. And that's the best that we can all do, is be real, authentic, and genuine to us. No persona, no facade, no ego, just simple truth and vulnerability without barriers of what's right and light for me because I need to be in communion with me because when I put my head on the pillow at night that's all that's there 
Well, besides you, but... (laughs) (laughs) Me with me, and you with you out there. So we're coming to the end of our time here. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Feel free to email me and let me know how and what it spawned for you, what it triggered for you, what was the gift that you received. I would love to know. VA at DrLisaCooney.com. I'm also going to be having, you'll be seeing on Facebook and on Amazon another book that I'm in, a chapter uh, called The Energy of Play. And I talk a little bit about how uh, play can be not a little bit, the whole chapter is about how play can be dangerous for the hypervigilant one who's been abused and some steps to um, choosing the lightness and freedom and expression of the childlike innocence deep within us that is just fun and ease and joy. So take a look for that. That launch date is um, July 4th, the day before this show airs. So check it out if you're listening to it because it'll be on Amazon. Help us get to another bestseller. That would be really, really lovely. And stay tuned for the money workbook telecall that we're going to be doing. I'm bringing in three other facilitators to help uh, me facilitate uh, the How to Become Money Workbook. To If that's your cage particularly, take a look on DrLisaCoonan.com for that. And again, thanks for listening. And Amy, thank you for being present with me here. And thanks for joining us on the show again. Always a pleasure. All right. See you next week, my friends. Thank you for joining Dr. Lisa Cooney this week on Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything. Please be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, make this week yours. Thank you.